When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. Back everybody to another episode of Bub and the Bloom, episode twenty-eight. As we wrap up our reviews of the twenty twenty-two season, heading into starting pitchers, which is deep as you'd expect, but as you also expect, we're going to find some funny trends as we've seen at all the positions going forward so far. Before we get into that, you can find myself on Twitter at BDentric and my co-host is always on Twitter at Ryan BHQ, and he is so relieved. Because the forecaster is pretty much, for the most part, done. Ryan, how we doing, man? Dude, so close. So close. Um, it is almost done. So, yes, I'm doing I'm doing well. We can see the light at the end of the tunnel. We're recording this Thursday night, and we are on track to send the forecaster PDF to the printer Monday morning. So that's the goal. Get that out Monday morning and then get the PDF out to anyone who um, orders through the site, does a standing order, gets the PDF version the day before Thanksgiving, which is like kind of like a holiday. Uh, it it's, it's really cool when we release the PDF and everyone goes and gets their copy and that and that sort of thing. So. So, yeah, man, it's been a lot of um, really the last like we finished player boxes, I think, like over the weekend. And it has been a lot of just proofing, editing. That that thing is over 300 pages long, and we are we've got a team looking at uh, pretty much every page, looking for typos, thing, inconsistencies, all that stuff. So, um, super detailed operation, but we are we are getting there for sure. So I'm gonna be very excited once it uh, once it comes out, and then I can uh, kind of relax and enjoy Thanksgiving. It'll be great. Thanksgiving will be great. And speaking, just give everybody a heads up. We will not be on next week. Just so you know, we're enjoying the holiday season. So you guys take All a break. Right. We'll be back with you guys the following week with some a special episode, potentially. And then we'll get in. And before you know it, it's December. And we'll start previewing 2023, which you guys have all been asking for throughout this entire <laughs> review process. So it just keeps going. The train keeps rolling. But just so you know, nothing next week. If I was smart and have the ability to do it, I'd make a best of episode. Maybe I'll figure out a way. I don't know how to, but maybe I will. If not, just download like the last 12 episodes and you can figure it out. And that'll where, be the where best. There's a will, episode. there's a way, Bubba. You, you yeah. can figure it out. It'll only take 
35 hours of your time. So don't yeah, and, and I know this is, we, we do a lot of HQ pumping here, but like I have to finish my catcher profiles for the black book that's due in like a week and a half. So I don't know if I'll have time to do, like I've, I, I'm just, I'm, I've always been that procrastinator when it comes to uh, stuff in like college. So that's what I do with the black book and it'll be done here. This I'll probably Wait, do it. Uh, next week. You, yeah. you went to college? I... Yeah, yeah. Hey, Ben, Ted, Ben, Ben, buddy, college over here this guy so yeah and, and and speaking of ben just because i had to give him a hard time there because ryan teed me up like a softball um ben put out a great thread so did rob DiPietro of both of their dc uh information from last season i recommend you guys checking that out they, they tweeted out some really cool stuff because i know on, on these shows and other shows we talk a lot about um different formats different ways to draft teams different you know points you're looking for in in, in fec and other leagues and whatnot and they both did really, really good, like kind of detailed spreadsheets and analysis on what worked, what didn't, and why type stuff. So I'd, I'd highly recommend checking that out on their Twitter feeds. Um, I apologize. I know Rob is Deadpool hitter. I apologize. He's breaking under breaking Ben underscore T is Ben Tid, if I remember correctly. I only know that because he's a great listener. That's had a million questions for the show. So that's he's how at, I remember that. Yeah, Ben's – and they were, I agree. They were both, like, fantastic Really good threads. threads. It, it's at breaking Ben underscore T. Yeah, so go check those out. I, 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 we do a lot of tongue-in-cheek because we kind of know them, so we can do that kind of stuff. But re- I'd recommend checking out their threads. Like, there's some really, really good stuff to check out on uh, – dcs and how things went good and bad throughout the process that could get you ready because everyone's drafting like crazy already for 2023 so uh, it'll help get you ready i I, I don't know about you ryan but i told myself i'm waiting till after thanksgiving for our next one it's tough it's really tough but I'm, i'm holding strong right now i'm holding strong my uh my goal is New Year's. I don't think I'll do a draft in December. We'll 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 see. Uh, the NFPC did just um, a gladiator thing or whatever. Release a new format called the Gladiator. <laughs> I don't know why it's called the Gladiator. Maybe just like by the end of the season, whoever survive. has the most healthy guys just survive. will win. But yeah, yeah it's are you it's not basically? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, I guess it's like best ball for rotisserie um, with no bench. With no bench, because there's really not a way to do best ball um, in rotisserie. Like, just the way the math works out. In points leagues, it's easy to optimize that lineup, like, at the end of the week or whatever. But in rotisserie, it's it the, the math is just extremely difficult. Like, some weeks you needed steals. Other weeks you needed home runs. Like, and that changes throughout the year. So, I guess this gladiator thing is, um, is yeah, no bench. So, the 23 guys you draft are... That's your roster. 23 you get, and there's no in-season moves because there's no moves to make. Yep. And it's like crack, man. It's like 50 bucks. So it's a it's a lower entry point. And there's an overall. Um, there's an overall. And there's an overall. So I don't know. That, that might move my January goal up to December. Yep. We'll see. I've, yeah, I've thought about jumping in at the same time. Like, why not just – my head is like just buy a lot of tickets. <laughs> but but at least i get to draft right it's not that, as that, fun that, exactly. i get to draft that that's part like, it's it's kind of a hey you know what we can do ryan okay i'm just scratch the itch right here maybe we do a live gladiator on this show could do a live gladiator it'd be fun i, I don't know like, i don't even know i guess it's a slow draft but i'm sure no, they, do. i guarantee you we can make a few uh, little yeah. messages and have a live one on this show just throwing it out there something we can think about going down the line but 
enough of that. We yeah, we still got just, a review, man. Still yeah, we could talk nonsense for a while, probably, because it's that time of the year. It's November 17th, everybody. A week away from Thanksgiving. Let's talk starting pitchers. And we've hit every position. We saved, saved starting pitchers for last, and it's been amazing. We saw our buddies at HQ predict the Sandy Alcantara. Was that Ben? Was that uh, Rudd? Rudd? Brian Rudd? That was Greg Pyron. Greg Pyron. Uh, yes. Yep. He called the Cy Young word for word in last year's forecaster. For yes, Sandy. that's pretty, pretty good. Um, so they got that going. We'll talk about Sandy, of course. There's many others. But as always, at most positions, we have a lot of green, a lot of red, some trends. Will it matter in 2023? Maybe not. But um, before we get there, Ryan, and, I'll, and for those watching at home on YouTube, I'll throw the, the sheets up here for 1 through 25, 25 through 50, so on and so forth. Um, but before we do that, why don't you let everybody know what made the criteria to make the Bloom board? So these, and yeah, as you'll see on the screen, this all sorted by preseason ADP. So um, this is not 2023 ADP. This is 2022. And we're just trying to look at, it's all sorted by that. And then the, the when you'll see on the screen and on, on um, Twitter, assuming it still exists, it will people when this episode drops on Friday. Um, I've got a tweet out there with with the graphs as well. So we're just comparing basically preseason ADP ranking among starting pitchers to uh, their end of season ranking using Rasball Player Rater. And so it's really easy with kind of the color coding to see where the um, you know where their pockets of value were. Was it did it pay off? For example, to invest early in starting pitchers and and that sort of thing. So um, kind of the same format that we've been looking at with the other positions and feel like it's worked out really well so far. So we'll just keep going back to that well. Yep, we will keep doing it. And let's just get right after it. Your uh, top 25 or so. I'm just going to kind of wing it because it's 25. all clustered together here. But you got your usual suspects. So you know, there's the pocket aces strategy. There's get one ace and wait. There's just wait. You know, Nick Pollock was in the uh, chat earlier. I don't know if he's still there. Blink twice, Nick. Uh, Nick likes to wait on starting pitchers, and that's an option. I've heard from very smart people early on in DCs that you can get some starting pitchers uh, later on in drafts. But right out the gate, your top three, you have Cole, Burns, and Otani, 12th, 10th, and 5th in the player rater, very strong. Walker Bueller was 4th in the ADP, 114, obviously. TJ, done. They had Woodruff at 25, and that's even with the miss. We know, Ryan, we talked about him early in the um, yeah. season as a guy that we both predicted to be a – a low ERA finished a 305 ERA. I think we both won that one potentially. 109 whip. Scherzer at 16. So if you look at the top, let's just keep it at six guys right now. You know, five of the six were top 25 pitchers. Uh, four of the six top 16 pitchers. I guess if you want to be picky, they weren't elite, but still very, very strong. Yeah, still very, very strong. And I think it brings up like, and I guess Otani might probably doesn't count because he was probably used as a, as a hitter more than a pitcher, but like, it kind of brings up the question of like this, this process of trying to, especially early in early in drafts, just trying not to screw up early in drafts and, and those picks, it's really hard to turn a profit from anyway. So like Max Scherzer, for example, was the sixth starting pitcher off the board and finished 16th. Like technically he did not, you know, reach where he was drafted, but I think, especially if you factor in, I think Scherzer missed like six weeks um, yep. with oblique injuries. Like, I think you take that. I, I think if you if you, if if you're taking a pitcher in the late first, early second round, and you know that he'll be a top twenty 
starting pitcher at the end of the season. I, I think that's, you know, not, not like a, not, not a great win, but it's, you take it. And so like guys like Scherzer, even Woodruff, I, I don't know, especially the way he ended the season finishing 25th, like, yeah, not what you paid for. Um, certainly not at the beginning of the year, but um, again, not, not disasters. And then like you said, Bubba Cole and Burns at the top, you know, didn't finish in the top 10. I guess Burns was 10th on the Rasball player Raider, Cole 12th, but still, I, I, I think that's, that's fine to get that type of return um, early in, early in your drafts. Yeah. And these are the starting pitcher rankings. So it goes to show you that still very good, still reasons to draft these guys up top, but there's still like, there's a lot of, uh, I don't know if hiccups is the right word, but not like there was ups and downs, but you were never not starting Cole Burns. The question is, is like Otani finished fifth, but like you said, uh, and, it, and it's a, a, a conversation I've seen even today uh, about, you know, if you take him in, a, in an FPC format, you have to pick starting pitcher or hitter each week. And it's quite the question, like, when do you start him? When do you don't? Because we saw what he did on both facets of it. And he was elite at pitch. He's fifth in the player. Rater. Like That's outstanding at starting pitching. We saw what he did there. But at the same time at hitting, he's like a 2020 type guy with potential for 30 plus third of like 20, at least 25, 25 if things are clicking. And it's like, which one do you pick which week? And you more often than not, you might pick the wrong one. That's just how it goes. I know that's one thing Rob DiPietro talked about quite a bit because there's an asset in DCs and I don't want to go down that rabbit hole too much, but drafting him gives you almost 51 players instead of 50. Mm-hmm. If you if you think about it, because it gives you that leverage when injuries kick in, like, okay, I can throw him at utility or I can throw him at starting pitcher based on my roster formats and whatnot but at the same time it's like did you use them at the right time and that is a conundrum going forward and it will be for a while and that, that's the tricky thing with with uh with Shohei Otani um going down though you have Lucas Chilito he was the seventh off the board at uh 95th in the player that was a rough year yeah. he's a guy that I know we will talk about a ton on preview podcasts because he's a guy that's just it's it's tough to buy that he's this bad but there was a lot of question marks. That's what I'll say. But then Julio Arias, third on the play Raider, he was backed up Man. a great 2021 with an awesome 2022. Bieber was awesome at 19th. Nola, 23rd. Wheeler, 27th. And then Mr. Cy Young himself, 12th in the SPADP, second in the play Raider. So we have a stretch. If you just knock Giolito off there, 8 through 12, third, 19th, 23rd, 27th, second. So if you were willing to just kind of wait a little bit, and go like a two-three turn type situation potentially, you could have got two really good pitchers if you got lucky there. Yeah, and and looking at right, looking at so that top twelve of starting pitchers, there were really only two busts, two full-on busts at a at a twelve. That's that's a pretty good hit rate. Those those two busts being uh, Walker Bueller and Lucas Giolito. Um, the I will say the the flip side of that is out of that top 12 there were only three or four in the top 10 mm-hmm. which again is is really hard to 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 do to to draft anyone really at any time there's i mean simple math there's only 10 starting pitchers that can be in the top 10 so it's really hard to nail that uh but only three to four of those guys out, out of the top 12 finishing in the top 10 means like your 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 really good hit rate wasn't there but it was also a safe option to go starting pitcher early because again, you had a 10 out of 12 chance to 
have a, at least a serviceable starting pitcher, a really good starting pitcher, I should say, uh, because 10 out of the 12 finished in the top 25 and, um, and, and that that's pretty good. So it, it was, I would say like a decent year for, for the top end of the starting pitching pool with, uh, with no like crazy good hits except for Alcantara and, and Urias who, man, I will, I don't know. I always miss out on that guy. Uh, the strikeouts kill me and that's, that's on me. Um, but yeah, not, not a bad year at the top. Yeah. You, uh, I'm assuming you're mentioning Urias as the guy you miss out on. Cause yep. um, he, he, I'm with you hundred percent because even in going into last year, I was more concerned with the innings bump he got in 2021. And I'm like, with all the injuries and all that, I was really concerned. And, and, and also when you're, for the most part, it'll be a great thing we could talk about for 2023 is a lot of the, the pluses one would say to taking an early starting pitcher. And there's obviously exceptions to the rule is you get strikeouts. That's like a big thing for a lot of these early starting pitchers. When Urias has six, 162, that's not what you're looking for early on. Like just pretty simple. It's still good, but not what you're looking for. But 217.96, that's elite. That's like amazing ratios that offsets so many things we've talked about with relief pitchers that we've talked about. We will talk about with later on guys that might be like high upside risky starting pitchers that might like get a little ratio issues, but bring strikeouts and whatnot. Um, Urias helps you with that in a big deal. So I'm with you. I've been very, very bullish on him in the past and I'm not saying I'm in on him again because I'm still nervous. I'm really nervous on what he's doing. When you have thoracic outlet syndrome surgery, not many people bounce back from that. And he bounced back in a tremendous way the last two years. So maybe he was young enough to beat that stigma. I don't know. But uh, I'm still nervous. I'm not, not going to say I'm not. And that, that's a tough one to buy in on. But he's proven me wrong. And I the, will be the first to admit that. Yeah. And so same boat. And despite the lack of K's, the one thing that and I, I need to put more of a focus on, this is one of the big things that I learned from the panel. I where you're going with this. I'm with you 100%. The wins, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a lot of them. It's a 30, lot of them. I mean, 30, I, I was, while you were talking, I was trying to pull up, I couldn't get it on fan graphs, trying to pull up the wins totals. Well, it's what, it's what, it's what seasons, uh, Rob but, Silver talked about. Yeah. Values and wins, man. That good God. He, he is that guy. He is. And, and I don't really see that going away next year. Like nope, LA is going to be LA. Nope. Like I, maybe yep. Trey Turner doesn't come back, but like they'll still they'll, win games. <laughs> They'll so be a lot of games. Yep. Um, so I, I think that's absolutely that's something that I in the past with Urias, I just looked at the strikeouts and kind of dismissed them, just like you were mm-hmm. talking about. Okay. I did not factor in the win upside um, nearly as much as I should have, and I yep. think he more than makes up for the lack of K's uh, with those wins. There's plenty of uh, plenty of later starter starting pitchers that don't get wins but still get strikeouts. Hundred percent, and that's kind of what like I'm with you between. The wins, and one thing I talked about on our, um, I think our misses or whatever we called our, our when we screwed up podcast uh, about a, two months yeah, ago. The L's. Yeah, our L's. We took our L's. Like ratios, whips, whip is a huge thing for me. And when you get a guy that perennially gets a low whip, last year 0.96, that's just insane. But he's usually a low one at, at worst. Like that's tremendous. That's That's big time stuff for what he's putting out there. And then you throw the wins on top. Like, He's definitely a guy that I think I need to, I need to focus. I don't know if I need to focus more on it, like force the, the 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 conversation, but at least respect it and see where it goes in drafts and see where we go from there. So I found it. I found it, man. 
doing doing database queries while you're talking. Um, Julio Urias is the only starting pitcher with over 30 wins in the last two seasons, and he's got 37. Yeah, that's that's why he's got eight more wins than second place, who is um, who is Garrett Cole with 29, and then you've got three guys at 28 wins over the this would this would have been a good bloom board at the uh well save it at, save it don't give away all your tricks don't yeah, give away all your tricks hey, hey hey twitter <laughs> twitter's going away anyway so there won't be <laughs> um the, there were three so urius at 37 wins last two seasons 29 for cole and then three guys at 28 you'll never get this third one max so max freed framber valdez again guys on good teams who's who's Give like two guesses for that. Okay, you, you said I'll never guess it. So I got to get really creative here. 28 wins over the last two seasons. Kevin Gosper. Old. old. Oh, Charlie Morton. Nope. But close. Old. Adam Wainwright. Yeah, Adam Wainwright. Yeah. Adam Wainwright is uh, tied for third with. Yeah, that's another guy that like, I, I guarantee I haven't even looked throughout the whole bloom boards. I, I just saw now. Yeah, he ranked very well. Okay. Yeah, he for, for where you drafted him at, and that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. So one thing one thing, and I know this is kind of a I guess a, a side comment to what we've done over the last few weeks and reviews. I would love to maybe one day we'll get like Rudy on the show just to see what the player rater emphasizes. Yep. Yeah. I, I think that's a fun conversation because we focus on between hitting and pitching like three stats. We we obviously talk about you're talking about wins. It's not on the the board, but it's obviously a key stat. But I think we've noticed it on like other positions where some guys rated higher or kind of why, but maybe it's because of stolen bases or it's because of batting average or that. I would love to get his like he doesn't have to give us you know how the sausage was made, but give us an idea on, on what does the player rater emphasize. I think that'd be fun. Yeah, and see. that's and that's the thing with like I don't know. Little bit off, but like yeah. HQ's ratings will be different than Raz, but like the 100%. formulas behind them are all different and they just weight different things yep. differently. But so, yeah. yeah, don't say, I mean, don't take this as like, yeah, Urius was third and this other guy was fourth, but they could very well be completely yep. interchangeable. Yeah, I'm just curious because it's, yeah, it's, yeah, especially because the player rater for Raz Ball, it's one of the quote unquote standards, uh, for a lot of people because it's very, very good. I'm not gonna say it's not so, uh, I'm just curious on what they they write there. Let's move on. Let's move on. Um, 13, let's just do 13 through 20 for fun here. Uh, we got Freddie Peralta at 82 on the player writer because of a lot of injuries. It sucked. 377, 107, 82. The dude was filthy still. Got hurt, and I'm concerned if that's going to be going forward with him. Robbie Ray, after the Cy Young year, it was rough early. We talked about him a few different times on this show based on control and, you know, K to walk and all that. And we saw that there was actually some positive things coming from Robbie Ray, three, five, eight, one, one, seven, 209 strikeouts. I think we mentioned him on the uh, bloom boards in first pitch, Arizona. Um, Justin Verlander comes in at number one. He's the 15th pitcher off the board. Number one on the player writer, one, eight, zero point eight, five. That is bonkers. Dylan Cease finished seventh on the play writer. Max Freed, 15th. Steady Eddie, love him. Everybody keep fading him. I appreciate you all. Logan Webb, 26th. Joe Musgrove, 31st. And Kevin Gosman rounds out the top 20 at 36. So outside of Freddie Peralta, who had his injury, from 14th through 20 of 37th, 1st, 7th, 15th, 26th, 31st, 36th. Not all in the great green we'd hoped for, Ryan, but none of them killed you by any means. All three five eight or lower eras okay whips i guess 
and all of them outside of you know Webb's 163 case, 170 or more. Like you got what you're hoping for in essentially in a 15 team league round four to five. Yeah. Yeah. This was a nice, and we're starting to get into that. Like if you waited on your, your ACE, these were the guys who were presented to you. I will get into the next batch. There's a, there's a bright red light, which probably everyone knows who I'm talking about <laughs> next, but yeah, this was like an awesome pocket, man. I mean, just the, the worst performing one out of this group was, uh, like you said, Kevin Gossman and Gossman was kind of the same pitcher he was in 2021. He had the highest Babbitt in baseball among starters last year. So like he was fine. He just kind of got a little bit unlucky. I know. I mean, we're looking back at the surface stats and the results like that doesn't really factor in, but from a process standpoint, it totally made sense to wait. And this group ADP wise was like in the fifties. Um, so you were going in the fourth round. Uh, so if you took three bats or maybe even a closer in the third round and, and started your starting pitcher, especially if you took Verlanders or cease, uh, you did quite well for yourself. And yeah, man, just like Justin Verlander, I have no idea how he did that. The, the 1.8 ERA is crazy. Honestly, the 0.85 whip Insane. is is Insane. like even more um, just just nuts. So kudos and, to... Uh, well, you know what a fun question will be for Verlander is, and I'm not smart enough to figure this out at this moment in time, but maybe I can later. Did he do his dominance against the ALS, which next season the schedule is uh, different? Yeah. Or was he just, I know he was that good overall, but did he do most of his dominance against the West is what I'm trying to say, which um, I, I only bring that up because the schedule is much different next year. He had a 234 ERA in six starts against the Mariners, 1.5 ERA in three starts against Oakland, That'll a 1.8. Oh no, that's the angels. That's the wrong. Um, that's the West. You're good. Oh yeah. That is, so he only had one start against the angels, huh? Um, dominated the angels. And what's the last team in AL West? Yeah, the Astros. Astros, Mariners, Angels. Oh, Texas. Texas, yes. Three starts, 189 ERA. So, so he absolutely did. He had, a, yep, he yep. had a sub-250 ERA against every team in the AL West uh, yep. last year. That's a, that's, that's, Pretty a, good. that's a good call out, man. Yeah, I, just because the biggest one you said was the A's. The A's were so freaking bad. 1-5-0 against the A's. That yeah. battle... I'm not, and he still had to do great against other people, but that's that's big. That's big boy stuff. So yeah. uh, I'm just curious because that's another topic for another show, maybe a bit, a different podcast, I should say. But uh, uh, I know they did great conversations at first pitch. We both missed it because we were on a plane. But uh, Eno and um, Colette and others talked about the new schedule, the new rules, and I'm I can't I still need to go back and look at that that powerpoint to see how that played out but uh colette did mention on saturday night on the Eno podcast that we all witnessed that um you need to make sure you check it out because Eno's got some amazing data on the new schedule and how it might affect people so i'm really curious on that yeah all right let's move on 20 through 25 before i change that beautiful graphic in the background of our youtube page um barrios this is where it gets murky folks 21st pitcher off the board at pick 71, 119 on the play runner. And if you had Jose Barrios, you all knew how that went. Charlie Morton, 53rd, not great. I'm not going to say horrible, but not what you wanted to pick 73. But there is a lot. Like It started out really bad, was better at the end, but still not great. I'll let Ryan talk about pick 23, who finished 203 on the play runner. 
and then it got interesting again. And we'll we'll only talk about two of these guys because I got to get a new graphic for the third one. But Carlos Rodon finished eighth, and you Darvish finished sixth. So in reality, Ryan, if you took hitters in the first four rounds, you could have left with like Gosman and Rodon, or Gosman and Darvish, or you you could have pieced it together in some kind of way. But twenty one through twenty five: Barrios, Morton, Rogers, Rodon, Darvish. Anything on those four five. So that was my plan. I did a lot of lot of team builds. I think you did as well, Bubba. Starting very hitter heavy, even in the first four rounds, and a lot of drafts. Sometimes I waited till the sixth round to get my first starting pitcher. The problem was I took the wrong guys. I took Jose Barrios, I took Charlie Morton, and I took Trevor Rogers, and I did not take the, I'll say perceived injury risks in Carlos Rodon and you Darvish. My thought process going into the season was that Rodgers, even though coming off a rookie year, like didn't have the track record like Barrios and Morton, didn't, I thought, have the injury risk of of a Rodon and and Darvish. So I had a lot more teams with Barrios, Morton, Rodgers on them than I did with Rodon and Darvish, and that set me back big time. Um, and so, I mean, I've talked about this before, but like, is it, it, was that the right thought process? Just pick the wrong guys. I, I think so. And looking at, looking at this board, even, even going back to that tier ahead, if I went in the fourth round to take that, that starting pitcher and went with like a cease, a freed, a Verlander, like more of the, more of those guys hit than missed. I just took the guys who missed. So, you know, that's life sometimes, but I, I still think the, uh, kind of the process behind that thinking was, was sound. Um, like, like I said, like, like Dave Pot says, any, any strategy can work. If you pick the right players. Yep. If, if you pick the right players, it's amazing how the strategies will work. Uh, let's go on. We've got a new bloom board up here. 26 through 50 on the player Raider or uh, through ADP technically, because player Raider would be different. Uh, 26th on the ADP front, Alex, Man- Alec Manoa. This is a big one. Fourth on the player Raider, 224 ERA, 0.99 whip, 180 Ks. And Ryan, I'm just going to stop here and we'll go on from afterwards. But it kind of groups in with the Rodon Darvish conversation because you have eight, six, and four on the player Raider. But I don't know about you. I knew Alec Manoa was good. I didn't know he was this good. I'll be completely honest. I knew he was good, but I didn't think he was fourth player at 224 ERA, 0.99. I did not see this coming. I didn't either. And yeah, so like I didn't have Manoa really anywhere. And that's something I need to look at too. Is like one of the, one of those, what did I miss things? Cause a lot of smart people were on Alec Manoa and even looking back at like his 2021, um, he had a league average walk rate got HQ and expected ERA of three seventy nine, which is not that great. Um, and he didn't have the track record. So I, I held that against Manoa. I didn't hold it against Trevor Rogers, the lack of track record. Both those guys pretty much had just one year, um, but definitely missed out on that. Um, Manoa, it's kind of interesting. He was a different, I, I don't know if I'm in next year either. Like the strikeout rate dropped from 28% down to 23% in 2020. Definite red flags. Definite red flags. Yeah. Like the swinging strike rate went from 13 and a half in 21, which is pretty good to below average in 11.6 last year. Like, uh, I don't know. Um, uh, but maybe again, we were talking about wins with, uh, with Urias. Maybe that's something I'm overlooking with Manoa pitching with Toronto. I mean, he had 16 wins, 180 Ks. Like that's, that's, that's pretty good. That's how he got to fourth. 
Yeah, and like it's it's the common sense thing. There's obviously going to be regression here. Like Manoa, even if he gets like a three ERA and a one two whip with the hundred, I I don't see the K's disappearing a ton. It's probably still a pretty darn good picture. So it's like, and and his ADP will show. Like he's going to boost up ADP boards. I haven't looked at 2023 ADP yet, and we'll do that on another show. But um, is he going to be fourth in the play rate or maybe not? But is he still like a top ten or fifteen guy potentially? I'm not going to say that. But there we've got him. Yeah. Um... I'll I'll kind of leak out some do it this forecaster big, projections. Hey, this um, is breaking news, people. Not, yeah, it's not that breaking. Everyone <laughs> will see it like next week. But uh, we've got Manoa like around the twentieth to twenty fifth range for starting pitchers. Three thirty nine ERA and a one fifteen WHIP. So we are projecting some which pretty, doesn't kill you. Which doesn't kill you. Doesn't kill you. Um, it just depends how safe is that projection. Like we do have him at 196 innings. We've got him with one of the highest innings totals out there. So yeah, I usually uh, say I usually say this for preview podcasts, but screw it. Why not? Would you? I'm just because I'm just looking at guys that went ahead of him last year and kind of similar numbers. to What you mentioned? Would you rather go Gossman or Manoa? Gossman, Musgrove or Manoa? Mm, Musgrove, barely. That's close though. Logan Weber Manoa. I think I'd go Manoa then. These are I guys think, that are going think... like twenty to thirty picks ahead of him last year. That's why I'm curious. Like that's why I, that's why I brought it up. It's an interesting because Manoa's going to get that bump. Yeah. So where do you take that bump? Would you go Manoa or Darvish? Darvish. Okay. Manoa Radon. God. Mm-hmm. Killing me. <laughs> Um, fun. We, we can we can dig into this later. On, but I, but yeah. That's what's that's what's fun about looking at where they yeah. finished last year to where they might go next year. It's like because Rodon's obviously going to get a bump too. I guess just so yep. like how do we foresee this? And we'll obviously dig deeper into this in you know a couple of weeks. But it's just it's just fun with what you said. The projections or the, the thoughts on the the uh, forecaster are compared to guys close to him or guys that similar numbers last year to him. It's a uh, Interesting discussion. The Darvish wrote us, so we kind of did gloss over those two guys. Those are two just interesting dudes, though, man, because, like, it again, who I perceived as injury risk coming into the season, you Darvish the last two years, uh, really last three years, you count the COVID year, he didn't miss any time COVID year, 76 innings, 166 innings in 2021, 195 innings last year for you Darvish. And, like, as we have a, as we have a bot in the stream yard, uh spamming our thing here um oh, nice dude dating online <laughs> they f- they found me they found you bubba yeah i got i got stuff in the mail today that that, that makes that even funnier but i'm not gonna talk about it on the show <laughs> we found you we knew you'd find you um yeah. but and that's something i i think we've talked about earlier too is like do i change my process of what an what a perceived injury prone starter is i don't think i'm ready to do that but i definitely oh. missed out on rodon and darvish because of that Hundred percent. All right, let's move on. Uh, after Manoa, twenty-seven. Let's just do twenty-seven through thirty-five. We'll start moving through here. Montas is eighty-fifth. We know what happened there. That was ugly, and I'm still very scared at Yankee Stadium. Shane O'Mac, twenty-eighth, finished eleventh on the Player Raider. Rough end of the season. I know a lot of guys are still extremely high on him. I'm very nervous about him. Our buddy Nady Evaldi, twenty-ninth. Blake Snell, thirtieth. Manoa, thirty-first. These are ADPs, not Player Raider finishes, folks. Evaldi finished at 100, Snell 50, Manaya 111. If you drafted Manaya, that's your own fault. You don't listen to me, which is fine. I understand, but you don't listen to me. Uh, Luis Garcia, is this the right one, Ryan? 
There's, there's a, I actually did some QA on this. <laughs> I actually spent I more than more than five minutes uh, doing this. I did filter out the reliever and the and the hitter. Uh, for, for those that have listened long enough, Garcia. you'll understand the joke behind that. <laughs> I also got there were two Otanis. I had to filter that out. So, dude, I um, you I did put your a little, work today. You did your work extra into this one. Kids so, must have stayed at daycare this week. You're good. No, um, no, the little one was with me. Not today, again. But, okay. but no, Luis that's Gar- that's that's the correct Luis Garcia at this time. Yeah, Luis Garcia, thirty third on the play writer. Erod, my dog, one twenty six, and oh. yeah, bat flip crazy. If you ever listen to this show, you win. Uh, Chris Bassett, 29th on the player. Kershaw, 28th. So a lot of reds. You got Shane O'Mac there, and you got a couple of greens towards the end from 27 to 35. Anybody that stands out to you there is we have a long ways to go tonight. Yeah, like uh, just real quick, uh, McClanahan finished. I, I did not realize he finished 11th. I always thought he was like the number one, number two starting pitcher. That he was a rough. that far. Yeah, that was a that was a rough end of the season and to only i say only finish 11th like you take that all day at, at the yeah. 92nd adp 28th starting pitcher off the board um yeah not not that great and then for anyone who listened to the first pitch live pod um i thought colette jason colette had a really good kind of summary as he just kind of strolled into the room and we were talking about mcclanahan and gave him the mic so um yeah, Evaldi, I divorced on FPAS night, so, so good. that's that's over and done with. Yeah. Uh, we're not going to relive that past. And <laughs> Erod, Erod, another main eventer, just disappeared. Literally, literally disappeared um, after a pretty a terrible one. start to the year. That's so that was one. a rough one. Yeah, yeah, Erod, <laughs> that's been my dog. Him and Evaldi, this is a rough stretch here because yeah. I had a lot of these two guys. In my leagues, that probably explains a lot of my issues I had, especially when you look at their whips, one, two, six, one, three, four. That you're not bouncing back from that anytime soon. And they, they were injured so much. So that, that was a tough go. Um, but you did get Chris Bassett, who did um he is testing free agency. He pitched very, very well when healthy. And then there's Kershaw who's thinks he's gonna pitch again. So Yeah. I think he just con- signed with LA another year. Yeah, that's a conundrum there because you still don't know what he's gonna give you, but when he's out there, it's good. It's really good. It's like Okay, I'm going to give you another would you rather. We haven't even talked about this guy in full. Would you rather go Clayton Kershaw or Adam Wainwright next season? Kershaw. Okay. Easy. Okay, that's fair. Uh, 36 through 50. We're going to start grouping things together here. We got uh, Logan Gilbert, who's going to probably get a massive bump in ADP. He was a 36 pitcher off the board, uh, play rate at 32. Tyler Molly, 37th, uh, play rater, 86. Had a rough go, injuries and whatnot. Sonny Gray, 54th in the play rater. Framber, though, my dog. This is fine of the year. People will recognize him in drafts, which sucks, but he's 24th in the play rater because the dude is a beast, and he just accumulates. Like, he is the poor man Sandy Alcantara is what I'll call him. Mm-hmm. Um, you have Pablo Lopez at 47th in the play rater. Kopech, 83rd. DeGrom, 55th. We know what happened there. Still a monster. Tariq Skubal, 64, Sandoval, 69th, Lance Lynn, 61st, Luis Castillo, 40th, which says a lot coming off that rough start in Cincinnati, 306, 111, 159, Severino, 63rd, Ian Anderson, 122, and then Zach Gallon, the 49th pitcher off the board, at the Raider at 9, and then Ranger Suarez at the Raider at 59. So from 36 to 50, Ryan, who stands out to you here? Because you got like three green guys. Yeah, overall it was pretty rough, man. So like you know, Gilbert's a win, 
Framber's a win and Gallon's like a, a game changer. The rest of this this group, um, some some injury involved like Lance Lynn. Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. You know, finished really strong, but wasn't there. Luis Castillo, I, I, I'm really high on for next year, but just see him finishing 40th is, is a little tough. I know he missed the first month of the season. Um, with that and yeah the final answer you know Jacob deGrom was just you know one of the, one of the polarizing guys back in draft season having no idea where he would go um finishing 55th and again like you don't you didn't start deGrom all year so deGrom that's a tough valuation because he was probably a top 10 starter um in the starts that he that he made a 308 era is kind of high but still got 100 k's 0.75 whip is just elite yeah, for it's what just he what, did, what, impressive yeah exactly um and it's just what did you do with that roster spot when he wasn't active is kind of how that valuation shook out so and i i can't wait to see like, obviously these are early drafts in dc so adps all of, like you literally from draft to draft see just insane differences in adp right now I can't wait to see where Zach Gallon kind of levels out at no. because he was so good. And we've talked about time and time again, you were one of the ringleaders, if not the ringleader on, Hey guys, in the second half of 2021, he pitched more than anyone in baseball. And you guys are worried about his injury. And I was one of them. We've talked about this before on the show. The dude was a beast. Two, four, six point eight, nine whip, 186 K's that I remember the stretch where he was like no runs for God knows how long. And then my giants somehow beat him down. Um, he was good, really, really good. So I'm curious to see where that um inflation goes. And Frammer is a guy I've had forever. I've yeah. been a huge Frammer guys because forever people didn't like him because it was like, oh, he just gets ground balls, like he gets you great ratios, but no strikeouts. Got you 184 Ks last year. Like the, that's why I called him the poor man's Sandy Alcantara because he'll pitch a boatload of innings and get you close. I haven't. I don't have it pulled up, but close to K per nine, if not a little over K per nine. Like he's not going to light the world on fire, but the dude's a beast. He knows how to limit hard contact. He knows how to get ground balls. He's super efficient. Like this is what he does. And uh, I'm curious to see where that goes in 2023 as well. Yeah. So the so a couple of things on on Valdez because I think this is worth diving into a little bit. Is yes, he has an elite ground ball rate, but I don't think we realize just how elite that ground ball rate it's is nuts, there's a man. yeah there's a big difference between and i want to give proper i think it's i think it's in jeff zimmerman and tenor bell's book in the process where like 
the effectiveness of a ground ball pitcher is exponentially higher once you go like above 55, above 60%. And Framber Valdez, Framber Valdez is a 70% guy. And so there is a mass, we call a 55% ground ball guy, a ground ball pitcher. Um, Framber Valdez blows that out of the water. And I, I, I think that, and you were, you were on this Bubba, but like, I think that gets understated of just how effective a 70% ground ball rate yep. really is. So and he's one of those guys, that, uh, and I'll, I'll give a little credit to people that were, were I guess, fading him because they did. He did have control issues early in his career. So it was one of those he things. Like, yep. It, it was did. one of those things. Like, so I'll, I will put that caveat down. Like, I'm wrong many times, but I've been on Fram, like that's been attested on this show. But I will at least acknowledge that people were cur- like concerned because of the control, which I've been concerned with other guys we've talked about. So I guess I at least wanted to bring it up. Like I'm not just like placating the guys that got right and wrong. But um, he seems to have fine-tuned that. That's what I'm going to say. And it's pretty damn impressive. But, well, and uh, if you, I mean, if you walk people and you give up fly balls, that's a recipe for disaster. Home runs. That's home yeah. runs. If you walk people and give up 70% ground balls, that's singles, that's double plays. Like, I don't know. And the, the Alcantara comp is, is nice. The actually, the K per nine was actually, he, he was under nine, uh, K per nine, mm-hmm. 201 innings, 194. So, yeah, you look at that strikeout rate on the surface, not that great. But you combine that with the volume of 201 innings, it's the strikeout total of 194 is pretty good. The thing where he separates himself from Alcantara is the wins. This is kind of the theme of the pod. Marlins Uh, versus Astros. Marlins versus Astros. Exactly. So 17 wins is is a job well done for Mr. Valdez. 100%. Let's go to the back half of the Bloom Boards here. 51 through 75. We won't do them all at once, but 51 through 60. We have a window. Wow, there, Ryan. this is a this we is a have good group, a window. Actually. Yeah, like if if you either waited on pitching, you got real ballsy. This is your second and third pitchers. Cool. This is your third and fourth. Cool. Fourth and fifth. Really cool. ADPs one seventy two through two hundred two is what fifty one through sixty will be, and you have Jordan Montgomery with a, a player rank of forty sixth. Jomo, big fan there. Alex Cobb at seventy two, and many will tell you, and still very true to this day. Saw a great article on I think it was Pitcher List recently about people asked was he just lucky in the second half and no it's just called defense folks trust me as a giants fan it's defense Hmm. alex wood 89th joe ryan 39th john gray 65th and he missed missed some time with injury center guard for as frustrating as he was still finished 73rd tristan freaking mckenzie 22nd marcus stroman 62nd wainwright 58th and urkiti 48th so you have literally 22 through 73, but your ADP 172 through 202, pitchers 51 through 60. None of these guys killed you. They might have been frustrating. You could say Alex would hurt you with that 5-1 ERA. I'm not going to say he didn't kill you. He hurt you. But all in all, these guys really got the job done. If you, They were like third or fourth pitchers for you, if not fifth. I always get Alex Cobb and Alex Wood mixed up, and sure Fair. enough, they're right Fair. next to each other on the um... – on the Raider, this yeah, this was a, a pretty profitable group. McKenzie's the one who, like, looking back, like I missed again. Going, I again kind of faded those like perceived durability guys. And Tristan McKenzie, two ninety nine ERA, point nine six WHIP, hundred eighty six Ks, fantastic. Um, question for you, Bubba, with with Cobb and the and the luck thing in the defense is that is the shift. 
Is that going to hurt him? Is that going to hurt San Francisco pitchers more than more than others, or is it more of a outfield defense? Is it more of just those the late the lazy answer is can it hurt him more than it already did? But because uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not kidding. I know we talked about it many times on the show because the Giants were on a lot while we recorded. It was hard to watch with because he was not pitching that bad. Um, I'd be willing to take my chances because the fact he had three seven nine that one three whip could easily be a one one or one whip based on defense. I might be overstating it, but it was that bad. It was that bad. So you start factoring that and that drops the ERA down to probably below three five. Not sure the strikeouts change, but I think Cobb is a really, really strong, like just trust what he's got going on type guy. 62% ground ball rate. So we just talked about Framber and how elite 70 is. Uh, Cobb is Cobb that's is close good. to that. So that's very good. And, and, and I didn't and with Far, what, real quick with Farhan. I know they're still kind of piecing things together and they might be another year before he really goes crazy with the money, but there's a lot of money. I know they want to sure up defense. Will they? That's still to be seen. But I think it'll be like Crawford's going to be gone, so we'll see what they do. But I still think Cobb's going to be, if not what you got last year, which is still very good, better. That's what I'd say. Yep, makes sense. I didn't realize he had 28 starts. I always think of him as an injury risk, and uh-huh. no, he's had his issues, but 28 starts is uh, is pretty good. Um, yeah, we're not going to talk about every single one. I do want to hit on um, our boy, Jordan Montgomery. Joe Mo. Who actually, like, it's kind of a weird season. So we all <laughs> talked about, like, with the Yankees, like hit three wins, hit three wins. We just got done talking about all these good teams versus bad teams. <laughs> yeah, and so that's where, like, like man, the Yankees, especially in the first half, were like the best team in baseball. <laughs> and he couldn't get a win. <laughs> and he couldn't get a win. He had a three nineteen ERA, a three nineteen ERA, and sixteen starts, and got and got three wins, and then was traded to St. Louis, where he got. One, All two, the wins, three, four wins in a row. <laughs> All the wins in a row, and he got a fifth win in his sixth start uh, with St. Louis. The additional turn I'll kind of add to that is like Montgomery in September was kind of rough. Like yeah. it, you actually look at the first and second bad. half for Jordan Montgomery, the skills were better in the second half, but he had a three nineteen ERA in the first half, three seventy eight in the second half. So like the ratio is actually, and, and this is again like my perception of how he did i i'm maybe i'm overweighting that like initial run with st louis just because i was so damn happy <laughs> that he was out of new york you maybe both my friends <laughs> um, did cool a little bit after that but but still a, a great year durable as anything and i'm i'm, I'm very much in next year um yeah 100%. On yeah and it, it goes back again the, the schedule thing people might point to but it, you just nailed it it's like he was elite against the AL schedule, probably a lot of AL East schedule, but potentially. And then he went to the NL Central, and you figure the last month of the year again, I'm totally just throwing stuff out of my rear end right now. But usually the last month of the season, a lot of AL Central teams he'd face, you'd think against that division he'd do great, and he struggled. <laughs> so maybe the offset schedule might do him great. So uh, I'm 100% with you, though. Like We saw, at worst, a pitch mix change when he went to the Cardinals pitching staff, which made a humongous difference. And yep. uh getting stuff done, being more going deeper into games. That was one of the things we talked about a lot, Ryan, with the Yankees. They pull him so early. And that it was, was like, so yeah. frustrating. 
I mean, that was the common theme, like, because yeah. I say, like, how, because the Yankees, the record was so good, the bullpen, I mean, this was when man. Clay Holmes was doing his thing. They would pull Montgomery after, like, five innings and yeah. just. And that just gives tough. the wiggle room for, like, one run to tie a game, and it wasn't even, like, the good part of the bullpen yet. It's just, like, yep. at least the Cardinals would let him get to, like, Gallegos and stuff and, and make things happen. So it could make for a huge, huge look ahead going forward. And now we get red again, Ryan. We get red again. 61 through 70. You got oh, let's go 75. We'll go 61 through 75 because it's a lot of red. Um, you got John Means finished 195, obviously. TJ. Bailey Ober, 121. Still a very good year. Not a long year because he came late in the season, but 318-110. Got to definitely look forward to potentially in 2023. Hungjin Ryu, that was just a disaster all across the board at 190. Jesus Lizardo, though, 77th on player, 64th pitcher off the board at 210. Finished very strong. When he came back from the IL, Disco, Tony, Anthony Discofani, I call him Tony Disco, 245th. That was horrific. Clevenger, 90th. McGill, Tyler McGill, Tygod, oh, Saigon, whatever you want God. to call it, was amazing to start the season. That unraveled quickly, 137th. Oscar, you know, 241. Casey Mice, 211. Matt's, 128. Sale, 189. Shan Boz, 176. A couple reds to finish the, or greens to finish off. Drew Rasmussen, ADP, 250. 38th in the player rater. Carlos Carrasco, I love this one. 255th, ADP, 49th on the player rater. He has got picked up his option with the Mets. Then Aaron Savali, 125th, did finish the year pretty strong. So lots of red, couple greens, Ryan. You got Lazardo, Rasmussen, Carrasco, couple guys that probably pitched better than the ratings showed. What do you like from 61 through 75? Um, just really cool to see Carrasco do that. Um, that was very much win driven as well that the ratios for carrasco were not there 397 era 133 whip i mean not killers but especially the era is, is it's fine but he had the 15 wins which matters a lot um jesus lazardo snuck up on me yep. so jesus lazardo i kind of wrote him off after he had two starts in may before he got hurt and just got blown up in both of them and didn't come back until august but when lazardo came back okay. after august it was um it was an impressive sight. The The velocity was down like a mile an hour, but he was still getting a ton of whiffs. The strikeout to walk was fantastic. Like Lazardo's going to be hyped up yet again next season. The forecaster blurb on, on him is, um, is very, very optimistic. So that I'm sure that will only help drive up the price, but in general, um, yeah, pretty, pretty tough group. A lot of red, like, Siler McGill, uh, that is my that is my lesson in April and May victory laps to not do those because I was patting myself all over the back on Tyler McGill early in the season. I thought, you know, he was just so dominant and then it all fell apart very quickly. So uh, lesson learned on that one. Steven Matz, I think, is an interesting one. We talked about him early in the season. Finished 128th, uh, end of the season hurt, but just like got extremely unlucky with his ratios. I think Steven Matz, if he's healthy uh, next season, is a is a decent buy low. But yeah, in general, this was um this was this was a tough group. Yeah, McGill was one I'm with you because a lot of my late drafts, I was like taking him late in rounds, thinking he'd get the job, then he was money for us for like maybe a month, and then it was just yeah. like boom goes the dynamite. So that was that was rough. Lazardo's the fun one because I'm kind of going to circle back here. We started talking about Julio Urias. There's, to me, a lot of similarities between the two pitchers. Just when you see them pitch, 
And another similarity is, you know, you saw Lazard or Urias a couple years ago with a limited innings count and then take a gigantic jump and still be very good. And I'm not saying you have to answer this right now, but the question we'll talk about a lot of this offseason, does Lazardo take that innings jump and still be very efficient? That's the fun question because in ADP, you have to believe he takes that jump. And that's where it's going to be very fun because people are on board with that finish you talked about. And I see a ton of similarities just in the – I know it's a lefty and all these things, but there's a ton of similarities in the production that make it very interesting with Jesus Lazardo. And <laughs> I'm really curious – to see how that one pans out as we go through draft season. That's actually a perfect, like, so yes, uh, the point of doing these reviews is is lessons learned and look back on process-wise what you hit on, what you missed. And I just talked about earlier how I missed on those Rodons, those Darvishes, those 100%. perceived injury guys. Well, here is <laughs> a perfect example of a yep. perceived injury guy and yep. Jesus Lazardo. Well, I talk about these things. Yep. So, like, that's a perfect, perfect segue. My default, right when you brought that up, my default answer was no. I'm not doing it. Yep, I'm not I'm doing with it. You. And that's what I need to work on. Like, do mm-hmm. I do I give him some some leeway? Jesus Lazardo is going right around Pablo Lopez, Chris Bassett, Chris Sale uh, at a 156 ADP. So the price isn't terrible. Honestly, I'd almost take the risk on Lazardo over those guys. Yeah. Yep. I um I would lean that way as well. I mean, Lopez, Pablo Lopez has his own. Uh-huh. Chris Sale has his own. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like at, at well, that point, so. at that point, I'm like, huh. That's interesting, but you know what's going to be really bad? This is why there's a perk to drafting early, Ryan, is it takes one spring start to make that ADP jump in a huge way. So, yeah, we'll see. But that that right there is why I love doing these podcasts because um, we learn from our own mistakes, and uh, it opens up our mind to at least consider things. That's a perfect example. And hopefully kind of let the listeners realize that, hey, we're just like most of you guys. <laughs> so jump on board with us and, and see where we can take this journey and see what happens. All right. 76 through 100. We'll kind of break this in two real quick. We'll go 76 through 85. Uh, you got Tyon finished 43rd, much better than I, I thought he was. I'll be honest. 383, 111, 146. Not bad at all in an ADP at 261. You got Josiah Gray at 106 on the play rider. Tom Marquez, 112. Nick Pavetta, 81. That was a roller coaster, Nick Pavetta season. Yeah. I, I think, and this is where, if even if we don't have Rudy, I think strikeouts is a big thing here that helped a ton because ratios sucked. Four, five, Bombs. one, one, three, seven, yeah. but one seventy in the K's. Get Reed Detmers at seventy. Big Tony G, Tony Gonson at fourteenth. Andrew Heaney at sixty-eight. Nasty Nestor Cortez at seventeen. Luis Patino, we want to talk about him. And then my dog, Cal Quantrill, three hundred eighty p. 85th pitcher off the board, 44th on the play Raider, 3-4-2, 1-2-2. Still doesn't strike anybody out, though, 1-2-4. That is the bugaboo. But if you want late draft ratios, Quantrill's your dog. So uh, what do you got from 75 to 85? These these are the guys you need to hit on. So we talked earlier about just kind of, you know, finishing par with your early with your early picks and and not shooting for profit this is where you get that profit. And so like Gonsolin, yeah, you can, you can nitpick and well, it's not even a nitpick. Like he, the dude was damn lucky in, in 2022. And actually of any pitcher that uh steamer projects for next season in terms of ERA, Tony Gonsolin is projected to have the worst um, ERA 
2023 compared to 22. But again, that does not matter. A lot of smart people were on Tony Gonsolin. Again, the team context was just elite. Only had those 116 strikeouts, but 0.86 whip, 210 ERA with those wins. Uh, Cortez was someone who I I was not on, wish I was. Um, looking back now, I can totally see why folks were on Nestor Cortez. Um, but overall, a pretty profitable group. Yeah, Quantrill like, kind of speaks to the Cleveland thing, I think. Um, we talked about For McKenzie sure. earlier. We talked about Bieber. Um, that was a hell of a staff. So, um, yeah, a lot of good hits here. Jack Flaherty is one who... That was just a that was a dumpster fire from the start and never really got better. I'd, I'd be interested to see what his ADP is next year because that's really the 2023 for Valerity is kind of like a career defining season, I think. Yeah, as I was saying, at 86th on the uh, pitcher off the board, 191, Flaherty's gonna be interesting. You know, the injuries he showed some signs when he came back, but they babied him, which they should have. Um, it's one of those guys like if they can guarantee 120 to 30 innings at his ADP could be interesting. Could be very interesting. So it'll be one that you, you check out. Like it's do you go Jack Flaherty or Jesus Lazardo? Those kind of questions where it gets really fun along the line. But you got Zach Eflin, 117, the playwriter, Mitch Keller, one tenth, already a ton of buzz there because we saw a lot of good still, especially in the second half of the season with Mitch Keller, but it's Mitch Keller. Kluber at 66, Eric Lauer at 57, Eliezer Hernandez, Marco Gonzalez, Christian Javier finished 18th, 313 ADP, 93rd pitcher off the board. He was filthy. We knew that was coming. He's finally got the Indians, made it happen. Kyle Hendricks, Zach Greinke, Hunter Green, 91st, Corbin Plesak, Adrian Hauser, oh. and last but not least, Miles Mikolas, 353, <laughs> 100th pitcher off the board, 30th on the player Raider. Wowzers, there were some nice hits here late in the draft, but you could honestly see why no one picks some guys and just luck happens. <laughs> Those last four names, and one of these is not like the others. Corbin, <laughs> Plesak, Hauser, and, then, and yep. then and then Michaelis. The the guy I want to hone in on for this segment was Christian Javier. Beast. I think there's yeah, I think there's a, a lesson to be learned here. So just recounting Javier was the 93rd quote-unquote starting pitcher, and that's what I want to dive in on a little bit, uh, 313 ADP and finished in the top 20. Christian Javier entering the season did not have a job in the rotation, and he was kind of like a six-starter, swingman type of guy, and that absolutely affected his draft price. And I think the lesson learned there, and actually for HQ, Stephen Nickran does an annual column on this. He looks at the most highly skilled six starters. Uh, we talked about this with like John Birdie on the hitter side, these utility guys who play everywhere. He's going to get a shot. Christian Javier obviously got his shot and, 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 and ran away with it. So um, that's something that I want to uh, also factor in for next season is don't, don't dismiss or even really discount all that much. Um, a guy who is maybe a long man to start the season slash six starter. Cause odds are probably like within the season's first month, Injuries will happen, and that that player will be in the rotation, and that's what happened with Javier. So that 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 was a that was a major boon. So kudos to anyone who went with Javier there that late. Yep, yeah, Javier is a guy that I had a ton of DC and NFC fifty shares of. I was nervous for redrafts for obvious reasons that you mentioned. Yeah, I was a believer in eventually getting his chance, but obviously in a redraft, you're probably not going to take those chances type scenario because you saw the writing on the wall. Dude's a beast. There's no reason outside of the Astros just adding depth because that's what they do 
to make things complicated in that bullpen for next year, but he should be a dude. Uh, shameless plug, my buddies uh, Michael Simeone and Mike Kurland uh, and Jorge Montanez, they have been in a chat with them, and they are going crazy about Javier. Simeone is extremely high on Javier, like very, very high on Javier oh, going into the next season. Um, so I, I'm not that high, but these guys, they're, Simeone's very smart with starting pitchers, so I'm not going to like question what he's got going on there. And he loves him some Christian Javier. So I'm just going to throw that out there to you guys. Um, keep an eye on that whenever that info drops from those boys. But um, there's there's a lot to like when it comes to looking at the pitch mixes and what the dude's got. He's legit. Javier's a legit pitcher. And the only reason he went late, like Ryan said, was he didn't have a job. <laughs> That's the bottom line. He didn't have yeah. a job. And that got fixed real quickly. So. I mean, really, like the skills, the walk rate improved with Javier, but he was a 31% strikeout rate guy in 2021, which is just unbelievable, and went even higher to 33%. Uh, the one thing, so we talked about extreme ground ballers. Um, Javier is just the opposite, and that's actually where I'd be interested in getting, like Simeone's take. Um, Christian Javier is a 57% fly ball rate last year. That, without looking that, like has to be the top in baseball, the highest yeah, fly ball rate in baseball. It usually doesn't bode well. So usually doesn't bode well, but it's good for whip. Um, yes, very I know, good and, and especially if the shift changes, it's a very good point. Exactly, and yeah. I don't know. I know he pitches with the Crawford boxes and that sort of thing. So I'd be interested to see what the home run yeah. rate was, um, but probably giving up a lot of solo shots just because, yeah. man, thirty three percent K rate, sub one whip. Um, fantastic season yeah phenomenal phenomenal stuff but that was our run through one through 100 we went through it quickly obviously bloom boards are available you saw it on the show ryan will probably throw them out there at some point in time for you all to have some fun with but we have a couple listener questions i'll be nice about this only a few nicest way i'll say it only a few people but uh, we got a few listener questions so let's run through these here our buddy john dobos says what up, guys? Deep Dynasty 5x5 five five League. Super, super deep cuts for you, please. Rank these young arms. I don't know any of them, Ryan. Really honest. <laughs> don't know any of them. You can I, tell I it's read, a super deep league yeah, when you're like, I, I read, I read these, these on the way home in my truck as I was taking pictures of stuff to talk about on the show. Cody Morris, Caleb Killian, I've heard of him. Chase Silseth, Josh Winder, have a great Thanksgiving. Josh, John, I hope you have a great Thanksgiving, too. Ryan, do you have anything on these four? I know Killian and Silseth are two names I've heard of, so I'd rank them one and two. Yeah, happy early Thanksgiving, John, to you as well. John's been one of our more He's awesome. uh, yeah. Yeah, loyal listeners and interacting with us John's throughout yeah. throughout the year. So, yeah, um, shout out, man. In terms yeah. of your question, yeah, I apologize. You are, I'm, not, I'm not a dynasty guy that deep. I apologize right out the gate. Our, our friend, I'll steal a line from our 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 friend and golf buddy Jeff Erickson that the world needs ditch diggers too, because these are, these are rough names. I think there's a clear guy though. And I think that guy is Cody Morris. Um, Cody Morris. So we talked about the Cleveland thing and I don't know how much to quantify that, but we've, we've brought that up a couple of times already tonight. Um, I think that's a thing. Cleveland knows what they're doing. The, the, the major league sample with Cody Morris was very small, 24 innings, but a 14% was very good. strike. Like, it was yeah, it was good. it was very good on it his just, team. It just dawned on me that really name good. now that you mentioned Cleveland. Yeah. Yes, very good. So I think it's I think it's Morris like 
kind of going away. I had Silseth's uh, Forecaster box, and that one was a grind. It's just when you kind of get, you know, I, I just I think he's he's like a swingman, but he's not a Christian Javier swingman. He's a swingman because he's not good enough to be in the rotation. Um, so. Uh, yeah, Moritz is the guy for me pretty pretty easily, actually. Yeah, the more you mention that, this is why I love doing this show with you, is I actually think, if I remember, I picked up Cody Morris late in the season in Fab. I so. think, yeah, I think. <laughs> yeah, now that we're talking about it. In, uh, I just in, told, in our... once you said his name, I'm like, oh, that's right, that's the new Cleveland. Because I've heard of Killian and so, but yeah, Cody Morris was very good, actually, in his short run there. So yeah, good call, good call. Hey, if you guys didn't know, we were sponsored by High Noon. So <laughs> we're having some fun tonight. Um yeah. Next up, we have Jay Mitz. <laughs> yeah, you picked. Yeah, you picked Cody Morris the last. Uh, yeah, on one of our games. One of <laughs> yeah. our games. Yep, yep. Got, that's why you, it rang a bell. It rang a bell all of a sudden. Shocker, though, you did lose. Yeah, you oh. did lose that week. So. Hey, hey, how'd you play in Arizona, by the way, Sandbagger? Yes, yeah, it, it was a good day. He had to bring it up. See, that's what happens. Uh, Jay Mitz asks early rookie of the year candidates. Ryan, that's for you. Early rookie of the year candidates. I don't um, even know what rookies are coming up right now. So it's if, November seventeenth. If, if you indulge me, I will pull up. So we actually run this in the forecaster. The top rookies for um, twenty twenty three. I know we had. So I think. I mean, the highest the guys that are going to be in the running. Your your names are going to be Corbin Carroll. Are going to be Gunnar Henderson. Like those are guys. I believe they're both still rookie eligible, and those are. You know, those are the, those are the They're names. They're still rookie eligible, I believe so. Oh Jesus, yeah, that, that there's because your early I, candidates because I think they are. Yeah, they they are rookie eligible. They are prospects according to HQ, and that's all by design. That's the new that's that new CBA rule where right. they can right. still be rookies next year, um, and then get rookie of the year. Um, and there's a there's a uh, incentive for that. So those are the two guys that are that are. You know, I, I would I would place those two versus the field. If there is one guy who I think, or actually two more names, I'll give. We brought this one up at um, at first pitch, and that's Josh Young. Good and one. Good, very good one. You look at yeah. Josh Young's like his major league returns last year; they were absolutely terrible. But he yeah. was just coming off what we all thought to be shoulder season injury. Yeah. Season <laughs> shoulder yeah. ending season injury. Uh, yeah. No, season ending shoulder injury. And so I think you give him a total pass for that. On the pitching side, I'd look at Grayson Rodriguez. I mean, that's going to be a popular name as well, yeah. Baltimore. But uh, those are some kind of not under the radar names, but not the not the Corbin Carroll Henderson types. I like the Josh Young. And for those that I always say Jung, so people know who I'm talking about, but it is Josh Young. Josh Jung from uh, Texas. For those, literally, I'm sitting in the crowd listening to Ryan and company talk, and it took me a, a while to figure out who the hell they were talking about. <laughs> Josh Young? Yeah. I'm like, wait, what? What? And then I get down to make, oh, yeah, that's right. But also, that helps. That's it's funny. eight eight in the morning, and we're not all there. At eight in the morning, so <laughs> we had a big podcast the night before, and so it was uh, it was one of those. But uh, that's a great call because I'll never forget being all in on him in like November and December, and then he has that injury that sounds like he's out for the rest of the entire year, not just he's the year, and then he comes back in like August. So yeah. that's a really really good call. Um, our buddy MSS MMS seventy nine, another great listener of the show. Logan Gilbert started the year with hype. Feels like he somehow went under the radar while performing really well against everyone but the Yankees. What is long-term upside for him? Feels really high. 
tantalizing control. I think he's a legit ace personally, but that's just, I might be overstating it. Maybe you have a comment from the forecaster. If you don't want to share it, that's fine. But I, I have a feeling he's one of those guys that might've got a pretty good rating from you guys. He, so it's, no, he didn't. Oh, I mean, he, he, so he's probably like, as I pull it up, he's probably in the 40, 30 to 40 range for starting pitchers. So that's, that's decent. Um, I'm looking at the kind of the skills now, like above average skills. I don't know if he's taking that, that next step. Um, I think he needs to work on, he's got a really good change up that he was mixing in uh, Gilbert towards the end of the season that I think he needs to keep developing that um, in order to take that next step. 16% strikeout minus walk rate, 11 and a half percent swinging strike rate. Those are both very much league average things. So not to say like Gilbert can improve, like the pedigree is there, uh, but I'm probably lower on Logan Gilbert than, um, than most. And I, I wonder if, as I look up in the forecaster, yeah, we've got, we've got, rotation mate uh george kirby ah, quite me. a bit higher actually you, than you, uh, took, you, you, took, you took my thunder is that your question no i was gonna say and I, I was gonna say this with a caveat is this might not be as bold as i think it's gonna be because i have not i literally had not looked at adp pretty much all season but i would take george kirby over Logan gilbert was my comment yeah yeah so, so it, it might be bold now it might not be too, bold and people analyze it but i would take kirby over gilbert where most people think gilbert over kirby just because of workload i guess but give me kirby actually you're that no it's a good comp because adp right now is gilbert's 114 and kirby's 102 so they're right next to each other they're close they're close yeah i take kirby just because especially what we saw towards the end of the season on kirby really really impressive stuff with george kirby so i like seeing that from a young pitcher and he got a full or close to a full season and the freaking dealing depotos just got T Oscar and they're yeah. rumored to get our, my boy, our boy Colton Wong. Like what in the world? Like it's, it's freaking nuts. And like, I'm sorry. I know that like we're, we talk fantasy and probably real life baseball getting flexed in and these other relievers are great for Toronto. Like it's probably a good baseball move in theory. If you have a bunch of outfielders and whatever, I still don't see it. T Oscar's a beast. Like he's legit when healthy, what 2015, maybe 2020, if he's really running hot. Like the dude, like thirty maybe. Like yeah. there's there's a ceiling with T. Oscar that's going to be tough to beat if he actually finds it. Yeah, I, I hope as someone who follows the Mariners, I hope they kind of leave him at DH. The defense is kind of brutal. So like, yeah, from a real baseball standpoint, well, they got plenty of outfielders, so you're fine. They've got yeah, they've they're they're starting to winnow him out. Old old, old Trader Jerry dealt uh, Kyle Lewis this evening. Um, oh, I traded him. Yeah, to. Uh, forget where he went i hope the best for kyle lewis because that pedigree yeah. it was like buxton uh, light. He had, yeah. it was buxton light yep. if he could ever figure it out that would be fun i think seventh or eighth pick out of mercer and had all the talent in the world and had those those knee injuries just totally yeah. wrecked his career but anyway i don't even know how we yeah we're talking about mariners which is which is sweet no that trade was um surprising surprising <laughs> like because the mariners yes eric swanson was very very good last year but relievers are so volatile from year to year yeah. it's a strength for the mariners they didn't i i don't know i i liked it a lot for uh for seattle i love it for seattle but i, I think it goes to show you the market for relievers like we saw that uh with montero and yeah, Mon- martinez yep. and uh suarez and they're so getting like, paid they're getting paid so it's like if we can trade for these guys without paying them i want to be a contender i need yeah. depth type situation 
I guess that's what we're seeing right now. And I think, and I think a lot of it um, depends on what Toronto does next. Like they saved, they saved a lot of money with Teoscar. So money, I think, was a portion of that. Do they, do they pocket that money, or do they use that to, to, to spend elsewhere? I hope it's, uh, hope it's the latter. I'm just gonna say this: we don't have to go deep into this unless you have a comment on it. Up to you. But uh, the Brewers just put one John Singleton. On their forty-man roster, if you oh, want, like, sorry. if you want, if you want, like, John Fog, or if you want, I just canceled this guy, and now this person just created a new account. Um, if you, if you want, like, a a Vogelbach light, just saying. It's uh, I don't know that, that last high noon, Bubba. I don't, I don't, I don't know about that. I don't in know a DC, in a DC, yeah, maybe, maybe. So. It was, it was it was a name I um I man, saw it, was, maybe, it, it it rose my eyebrows a bit that's all I'll say there was Singleton who, so he signed that he, he was kind of one of the first big deal guys that yep. smoked too much weed and got busted well and got that con got that huge contract yep. before he really played and yep. what the Rays and Braves are doing so well they tried to do a Singleton yeah. Yep, and I mean that shows the risk in some of those moves. There was also the who's the Phillies guy, Scott Kingery. Oh, that's another was a big one. one too. Where yeah. it didn't, you know, big time money before they really even played in the majors, and it and it did not work out. But I guess I it just know. goes to show. But that's a whole other conversation for another day. I can ramble right. forever. Um, any final thoughts, Ryan? As we wrap up our reviews for the season, lots of fun, lots of interesting information, yeah. a lot learned. I think for both of us and hopefully the listeners. So, final thoughts. No, this was this was fun, not only in terms of like filling the doldrums of October and November, but it's something that I know I don't do, haven't done enough in previous years is look back. We all want to jump in drafts. We want to do the 2023 ADP, look forwards, all that stuff. I think this is this is valuable. So um, hope it was valuable to everyone else. Hope, uh, like Bubba said at the top, we're going to take take Thanksgiving off. So everyone have a good, uh, good Thanksgiving, friends, family, food, all that stuff. Um, and we'll we'll be back in early December. Yep, we'll be back before you know it, which is funny because things for in our world, Ryan, with kids, they just fly by. So we'll be doing this before you know it. Um, but yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed it because doing stuff like this is what made me realize how good Paul Goldschmidt was going to last season where I didn't think he was. You, know, you see certain names pop up and you're just like, oh, like the Urias thing. Maybe I should like pay more attention to this. Not saying it's going to be great next year, but it at least makes your research like, okay, I need to pay attention. And it's just little things like that before we just jump hardcore into 2023, which we're all doing already and we're going to do here very soon. So make sure you check it all out. If you guys have questions for next week, if you guys have enough of them, maybe I'll do a solo show just for you guys. Just on board. Just throwing it out there. If you don't, we'll be back in two weeks. So it's up to you guys. Throwing it out there to the listeners. If you got them, hit me up on Twitter. If you get enough. I'll make some fun for it. Especially our rogue commenter, if, if that person has. And the worst around. part is I canceled them, and now I can't. I don't know what. They have, like, a sneaky situation. I don't I'll get into this after the show. I don't know what's going on right now. But uh, make sure you <laughs> check out Ryan on Twitter, at RyanBHQ, and all his great work at Baseball HQ, the forecaster. If you've ordered it, PDF next week, folks. Good, good stuff there. When you come back to us in two weeks, you almost have the hard copy in your hands right around the corner. I'm on Twitter, at BDNTrick. But you know what? Reviews in the books, previews coming up. This is Bubba in the Bloom. Catch you guys next time.
Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.